All right, I said this at the other two, the Hollister campus and over here this morning. I live in Watsonville, and if I wasn't on staff at, at uh, Vintage Faith Church, I'd be driving over here, and this would be my home church, because I think it is such a great, uh, great church. I've known Isaac, um, because especially, like, you know, you have the School of Theology, you're a church that's actually spending each summer, you spend several weeks in apologetics, and it's so important, it's so great to see what you're teaching in the School of Theology there. Isaac is someone who's kind of like a son, younger brother, and I so respect who he is. We have a kindred spirit for interesting hair, like you know, all of that together, <laughs> and it's been really, uh, uh, it's just a joy to be here. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to start out, and we're going to talk about, this kind of says how not to read the Bible, and you'll see what I'm going to say, because there's a lot of people who are reading the Bible incorrectly. And what happens, sadly, is that as it's being read incorrectly, there are people who are abandoning their faith or staying away from the Christian faith. People today are reading the Bible and actually becoming atheist or agnostic as a result. It's so like contradictory. You normally think, well, you'll be in the Bible, and then you'll learn about Jesus and put faith in him. But what's been going on is even Christians have been exploring the Bible and reading certain parts that is causing them to doubt faith, become agnostic or atheist as a result. It's keeping people, the Bible is keeping away people away from trusting in Jesus because then they want nothing to do with this God if what they're understanding and seeing from the scriptures is true. And so we're going to look this morning at why this is happening and what we can do to keep this from happening. It's actually like some of you may be aware of it and some of you may not be aware of this happening, but it's starting to happen like all over the place. You'll see this continuing mantra of people like, uh, there's an atheist named Pendulette, very intelligent person, and he says this so often, like reading the Bible is the fast track to atheist. What's going on right now is there's a direct attempt to discredit the Bible today through memes, blogs, and in the media, like over and over and over and over again. And what's happening is if you aren't familiar with the Bible and you don't know what's really in it, and all you're seeing are these memes and these graphics and the things I'm going to show you this morning, what happens is, is then it's like, if that's what's in the Bible, I don't want anything to do with it. And the other response is Christians who are saying, like, I never knew that was really in the Bible. Maybe I don't believe this if this is true, what I'm reading is inside this book. And so it's a various, it's very serious thing that's going on. And so what I'm going to do in the beginning of this, I'm going to kind of make you depressed and kind of bum you out. There's going to be some bad news and things. And then I'm going to make it happy, a good ending. But I want to show you and have this tension of, like, this is what's going on. I'm going to show you a whole series of these memes and these graphics that are very prominent out there. And you might not be seeing them or paying attention to them, but they're really there. All right, I get my hair cut. I just got it cut yesterday by a fellow named Daniel in Watsonville. He, I, he, I told him even this morning, I was texting him. Uh, he's a agnostic atheist. Uh, and I even texted him joking this morning. I'm speaking about you. Please pray for me. And he jokes back like, ha-ha. You know, but... Um, he and I have had good discussions over the couple of years I've been getting my hair cut there, and he knows I'm, a, I'm on staff at a church, and I understand. And I walk in this one time, and he just says, the first thing he says when I sit down, he's like, hey, uh, did you know, I didn't know that there's unicorns in your Bible. 
and I'm just like, unicorns? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head, like, are there? <laughs> like, I don't remember ever reading unicorns in the Bible. I'm like, what makes you say that? And he's like, well, I was online, and I saw that there's Bible verses that talk about unicorns. And I didn't know how to respond to him because actually I didn't know what he was meaning. So I never thought I'd be doing this, but I actually put in the words like Bible and unicorn in a search engine and up came a whole bunch of things that I didn't even know was there. But he saw them. And there were memes that were like this one. And this one just says, unicorns are mentioned in the Bible. It's a fact. You'll see things that, like this one, it says, because the Bible tells me so, and it's kind of mocking the Bible with the image of the unicorn on that sign, and then it lists a whole series of Bible verses. There are Bible verses, I'm sorry, these memes and graphics like the one on the left there that quotes Isaiah 34, 7, and even you can see the verse written out, and the unicorn shall come down, and then it says, know your Bible, kind of like if you knew your Bible, you'd realize that there were unicorns in your Bible. You know, there's the image on the right that's quoting Bible verses, you can see it, and then saying, look, Christians, there's unicorns in your Bible. Then things that are even taking it to like another level of kind of poking fun at the Bible, there's one unicorn museum that was put up online that says, prepare to believe, unicorns are real, the Bible says so, and it quotes Job 39, another verse that allegedly has the, the term unicorn in it. Then there's graphics that come up like, this is why we don't see unicorns today, it's because they missed Noah, Noah's ark when it left. Um, and so there they are waiting on the shoreline. And then on Etsy, I saw this, that you can actually buy this framed. Dear Noah, we would have sworn you said the ark wasn't leaving till five. Sincerely, the unicorns, right? <laughs> because they're saying this is why the unicorns were uh, not around today. And then naturally, then there'll be other memes that come up with this conclusion, like unicorns are mentioned nine times in the Bible, cats are mentioned zero times. That's all you need to know about the Bible. Now. If you're a Christian and you've been you know, in faith for a while, like you, you, this doesn't shake you up. You know, like, oh, there must be something way to explain this. If you're not a Christian, or maybe you are a Christian and you never thought, like, this stuff can sort of uns become very unsettling. It can become, is this true? No, I'm going to come back to the unicorns later. Uh, but, like, this is what's going on out there. And sometimes it isn't just a barber who already believes not necessarily the Bible is true, but he's joking with me and showing these things. He saw this, right? I didn't show him this. He saw this, raised it up to my attention. But there are other things going on over and over and over and over again that aren't just as uh, kind of a joke as a unicorn. It gets much more serious than that. Um, a couple years ago, I had the head of InterVarsity Ministry, it's a campus ministry, contact me and say, will you please talk with somebody it was someone in our group that is now atheist. And they said uh, he's written a letter to us explaining why he's leaving, left the group and why he doesn't believe. And I end up meeting with him and I got permission to show the letter. And this is what he gave to the leaders as the reasons he no longer is a Christian. And what he said was, he just starts listing, interestingly, it wasn't about bad music, they didn't have drums. You know, it, was, it was Bible verses. And he starts listing out a verse such as 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is his, a printout, I mean, of his letter. And it said, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. She shouldn't teach or assume authority over man. She must be quiet. And then he wrote, while growing up, my mother and stepfather, both of whom are Christians, would disagree and have arguments. And he saw 
how he felt his stepfather would take advantage of this over his mom, quoting the Bible to use this. Now, again, the Me Too culture, this is even higher of a sensitive issue in how the Bible can be used in demeaning women. Then he wrote, last year I was reading through Exodus with my university small group, which you'd think would be a good thing. Great, you're in the Bible. But then he said the following verses initiated this questioning which would lead to my exponentially growing doubt on the Bible's validity. And you can see what he did was he quotes the part out of Exodus chapter 4 when God says that hardens Pharaoh's heart. So one, he's questioning why would God like precondition someone not to respond. And then the other one he wrote, he underlined, he put it in red, he says, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. So he then was saying, how could God possibly be a killer and think of it like this? And then he said this, um, he wrote that, uh, go to the next slide, we recoil in horror thinking about when Herod had the under two-year-old slaughtered in Bethlehem and see it as an evil act. Why do we then think it's okay when God did the same thing in Egypt and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians? Okay, now these are serious, very serious and very valid questions. Uh, he then wrote, the letter continued, and look at the stages, like number three. After reading through Exodus, he then started looking for answers. I talked to non-Christian friends and did a lot of research, where did he go? Online. When the entire creation story, another big part of my doubt, genetics, the flood, age of the earth, dinosaur, fossil record, they weren't consistent with the scientific, scientific research. And then I read this site, evilbible.com, and he wrote, I was devastated. Then he wrote, the final blow to my faith was watching this movie, and it was a movie that kind of tears down the Bible and Christianity. It said it was very difficult to watch as a Christian. It's still disturbing to me. Regardless, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. What he then did as a young man, started questioning the Bible because he was reading the Bible. He then saw all of these different verses. He goes online, and he finds this website, evilbible.com. This is uh, evilbible.com. It's a website that says, welcome to evilbible.com. This website is designed to spread the vicious truth about the Bible. Far too long, priests and preachers have completely ignored the vicious criminal acts that the Bible promotes. And it lists a whole series of things. When I saw this letter, I was familiar with evilbible.com because several years ago, I had a junior hire in our church that started emailing me Bible questions. And I kept going back and forth with them. And finally, I'm like, how can you, where are you coming up with these questions? He's like, I found them on a website, evilbible.com. And so what you now have is instant access when people question things and type the Bible verses that may be difficult to understand, and there's a flood of other ways of looking at the Bible that are saying the Bible is even evil, and junior hires and college students and all types of people find those websites. Now, in this young man's story, he said he talked to his parents about it, and he said his parents weren't like too concerned about the Bible verses that he was raising up. He's like, well, somewhere someone knows how to answer it. And he said that didn't settle well with him because he said, those are really strong things he's reading in the Bible. His parents, who were Christians, couldn't, couldn't respond to him. He then said he asked his youth pastor, and he said his youth pastor said, well, I really don't know. I know they're in there, and in heaven we'll know the answers. Now, what he said was, and we talked about this, he's like, so my parents and my youth pastor both weren't 
too disturbed that they were in there, and they said, somewhere someone has them figured out. And he said, I could not intellectually believe that that was a valid way to respond, and it simply undermined my faith even more when my two authority figures of faith, my parents and my youth pastor, could not give me responses, and it didn't seem to even disturb them that they were in there. And he said this, I love my parents, I love the church that I was part of, I love my youth pastor, because they, he loves me, they cared for me, I had great music in the church, there was relevant preaching, it wasn't anything that was like that about you know, the methods of what we're doing ministry-wise, it was just like, I can no longer believe that the source of what they teach from is true. This is what's going on all over the place. Like, I, I wouldn't be talking about it here if I didn't th- see this as, as just surfacing all over. And I've gotten to travel across the America quite a bit and seeing it surfacing all over. So it's not just like a California thing. It's like all over the place because there's instant access to things about unicorns that my barber saw not even looking for it. Somehow he just saw this thing about unicorns in the Bible. Junior hires, college students, evilbible.com, right? It's all around us today. So what is going on? And I can say this, like, you know, if I was here uh, uh, 30 years ago, and I was getting up to say, like, here's what we have to do. The most important thing our church is dealing with today is we need to be, the questions that are coming up is, can we change the music in the church? And that was really important because the church was becoming irrelevant with music and, and wanted to change. And there were big battles going on, like, can we bring drum sets into church and that kind of stuff way back then. Then 20 years ago, there was like big questions of the church where the Tim LaHaye left behind novels, for those that were alive back then and remember this, it was like, is the rapture going to happen? You know, like, look at that, 60 something million copies of this book were sold. So it was a major part of church culture about this whole rapture thing. This is a side note, but more than that, the debate of whether Kirk Cameron or Nicolas Cage was the better lead actor in the two left behind movies, like, that's what I keep getting stuck on and makes me doubt my faith. But the other thing, was 15 years ago, questions were coming up that were like, can we get better coffee in the church, not serve it in thimble-sized polystyrene cups which pollute our environment? You know, 10 years ago, the questions were about social justice, so we caring more about buildings and programs than we are the, you know, the poor and poverty. And, and today, the questions that are coming up are ones like I'm talking about here. And it's more and more prevalent. This was a book that was the number one bestseller in its category on Amazon called Awkward Moments, Children's Bible. And what they did was it was just raising up. It's a book that puts out little cartoon pictures. It's a very creatively done book. And it puts up pictures, but then it puts Bible verses, pulls them out, and says, look. And in this case, like it would be Noah and the ark. And you can see like all the happy animals like we normally see and painted on children's classrooms and toys and different things, but they say then you have all the dead bodies floating in the water saying we're ignoring those. And it's bringing attention to these things, saying like, you know, you're not really reading the Bible, you're ignoring these parts of it, and it's an entire book devoted to it. Here's what's interesting about that. The author of this, who I contacted, was a former youth leader, Christian. He then said, wasn't getting answers, this didn't seem right, he became an atheist, and now he is out to try to convince Christians that you really don't know it's in the Bible. If you really did, you wouldn't become a Christian because there's stuff like this that's ignored. 
So, like, that's common. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't realize it, it's becoming all, it's popping up all over the place. If you type in difficult things, like these horrible questions, you know, just like things like, um, how can I worship a God that slaughtered men, women, and children in the Old Testament? This also is a Christian. Go to the next slide of that image. You know, just like things that you're not normally thinking about that are being brought to the surface and pointed out from the Bible. Go to the next slide. Like this kind of graphic cartoon. That was also a former kind of Christian leader who now tries to point out the things in the scriptures that seem wicked and evil. So he wrote that comment about there's the God of the Old Testament. You'll see verses and things that are pulled out. Um, Go to the next slide. You know, where it does say verses like God saying, don't spare them, put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, and sheep. So they're saying that's, that's in the scriptures? What does that say about God? You know, you type in any of these verses and often graphics like this will come up, right? This is what I'm saying. Like a junior higher types in something, this will pop up. Here's a Bible kill count. And here's how many, if you read through the Bible, God killed on the blue, and there's Satan, just a few from the book of Job, saying God's the big mass murderer. We think not Satan. And this will be pulled out. I just did this like two days ago, and I'm just like, what's new out there? Like, there's a whole series of evil Bible stories, and God command, demands that you kill your wife and children for worshiping, and they list Bible verses and all of these type of things. In a Me Too culture, this is becoming more and more prominent, where you'll see memes, like on the right, using Bible verses, so it's actual Bible verses extracted out, saying women keep silent in the churches. They're not permitted to speak. You have to go home and ask your husbands. So this is actual scriptures, and you can see on this meme, again, I just found these last week, Bible verses most Christians ignore and saying it's a disgraceful thing for women to speak in a church meeting. So you're reading these verses pulled out. Again, picture I'm a junior higher. I'm a college student. Maybe it's you're in this room. You know, it could be 50 years old. Like, that's in the Bible? Uh, you know, in this room, if you're a woman, did you speak out loud today? Did you just violate scripture? Because <laughs> right? it kind of says that right there. Like, you know, how do you answer this? This is the tension that's going on. And it's being pushed out. That's why what I'm trying to say and the reason I'm even focusing on this, it's intentionally being brought to the surface. I think in the past it was in there, but we didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And today you'll see like, here's a sign at a protest. Women should be quiet, silent in the church. Read the Bible for details. So it's saying, look, this stuff's in the Bible about this. Here is a news, this was a news, uh, um, a news report that had Bible verse painted on a truck. Local man's message goes viral. And I watched the news clip, and this guy wrote 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and you can see right on the back of his truck, women be silent and submissive. Read your Bible. God said it, believe it. Now, he wasn't trying to say women should be submitting and silent. He's a person that was saying, Christians, do you realize this stuff is in your Bible? It's insane that you believe it. And he was trying to say, look what's in your Bible, and you don't even know. Or you're just ignoring it, or you're not paying attention to it. And we can't do that any longer. Because the Bible is evil. The Bible produces wars, hatred. And so this is being out there. I don't have time to go and all of these things. And this is the bummer part. I'm going to get to some good stuff soon. But I want you to sit in this. Because this stuff is important and it affects people. You know, science in the Bible is constantly 
mocked and promoted out there today. This was a shirt sold at Urban Outfitters. And it's Jesus riding a dinosaur. And it's very clever. It says, even though the dinosaurs survived the flood on Noah's Ark, we don't know if Jesus ever rode them, but he probably did. And I tried to get the shirt sold out at the local Urban Outfitters in Santa Cruz, sold out online because it's such a popular shirt. Because it's kind of being mocked that the Bible talks about these silly things. And do you Christians even know? Or why would you even read them? Um, when, there's one that, like, whenever you feel stupid, this is another meme online, just realize there are people out there who generally believe the earth universe is 6,000 years old. Because there's one way of looking at the Bible, and you read the genealogies, and they'll say the earth was created 6,000 years old with a certain viewpoint. And they're saying how ridiculous people are, and that's the, that, that's what the, the, the generalization. All Christians must believe this then, if that's what the Bible says. There are John Stewart, a celebrity who you know, uh, wrote, yes, reason has been part of organized re- religion ever since two nudists took dietary advice from a talking snake. So, like, these things are just, like, uncomfortable, but they're in the scriptures. Like, one more, it says the Bible. Like, again, these graphics, because all the works of science cannot equal the wisdom of cattle-sacrificing primitives who thought every animal species in the world lived within walking distance of Noah's house. If you're a mature Christian, you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's not what this is saying. I'm a junior higher, I'm a college student in my questioning years, I'm a non-Christian wondering if this is true, I'm only seeing these memes and these graphics and these Bible verses, Uh, I don't want anything to do with that, or I'm a Christian and I didn't realize that was in there, how can I believe in this stuff? Okay, this is what's going on all the more out there questioning biblical marriage because what when you're talking about David was married to eight wives and he had ten concubines who are you to define what biblical marriage is how about things like um, all of these so many of these things about God hates shrimp like the Bible is just filled with all of these outdated rules and these crazy bizarre things that we're then seeing extracted out. Like, this is so common today. This is one of the most common ones we see that, like, Christians, right, you're saying what's right and wrong, but what about in the scriptures? Look, here's in the Bible itself. You are not supposed to be playing footballs on Saturday, on Sabbath. You're not supposed to eat lobster or shrimp. You're not supposed to wear polyester or polyester blends or cotton because it says it in Leviticus and in Exodus. That's what the Bible says. Why are you doing this? You'll see it in signs. No haircuts, no football, no tattoos, no polyester blends. And it's, and it's pointing out Bible verses. See, this uh, one's like this. Like, like this one, like, amazing nonsense in the Bible. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Exodus 23, 19. Like, what Christians, why, how can you possibly believe this? Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Here's one again. It's so common. It even made West Wing, the TV show, that was really uh, super popular years ago. And you can still see it online. And there was an episode when the president, Martin Sheen, was challenging a Christian radio host. And he started quoting Bible verses to her. And one of them that he said was, here's one that important because we have a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Le- Le- Leviticus 11.7. So he's then saying, because football is pigskin, he's then saying, if it promises to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West, Pon- West Point? Like you dumb Christians. You are saying one thing, but if you're a Christian, and this is a football player praying, then why are you then playing football? And it says, because in Leviticus, it says you shouldn't touch a pigskin. 
So there shouldn't be football. Now, the options that then Christians have when they get challenged are you can ignore them. Someone's got it figured out. I don't know. Like, you know, like and that's okay to some degree. You either become atheist or agnostic, like is really starting to happen quite frequently. I can't believe in this anymore. Or you can become progressive in your the theology in terms of you view the Bible, well, there's that stuff in it that can't be from God, so then the scriptures really aren't from God, and, it's, and I'll still believe in a Jesus, but it's a different kind of Jesus that because he wouldn't have said certain things, and then you kind of shape your own God, your own Jesus, because the scriptures aren't all from God, or you can turn to resources and churches that teach like you guys are doing with the school of theology and what you do on Sundays, like there are responses See, the good news is all the stuff I'm putting up, there are answers. The Bible is trustworthy, and we can prevent people from misunderstanding the Bible by following a simple few Bible study methods. Now, again, if you're a Christian in this room, you might naturally think this, but what I'm talking about is all the people who don't, and they haven't heard this, and they don't know, and all they're seeing are these memes and these graphics and these celebrities and these little pull quotes put out over and over and over again, which then undermines their faith in the Bible if they're Christian or if they're not a Christian. No wonder, like, I don't want anything to do with that religion. But the good news, again, is there are responses. So I want to just walk through a couple of these just to show what I'm saying is that we can respond with intelligence and using reasons from the scripture to give responses to these very type of things. And it's basically three simple things to just remind people of, which so many don't know. Is one, that this Bible is a library, not a book, and I'll share why this matters. The Bible is not written to us, but for us, and never read a Bible verse. So let me just walk through a couple of these. The Bible is a library, not a book. Whenever you hold this up, and I guess I'm hoping, you know, most of you might know this, but so many don't. It, we can't look at this like it's a single book written by a single author. You know, God's Spirit is the single author behind it all, but it's written by so many different people over so many different years and so many different contexts and so many, three different languages, and you can't look at it just like a single book and you open it up and read it all the same. What you have to do is I put this chart up often and so many people go like, that's the Bible? <laughs> like, yeah. You have to picture like you're walking into a library. And you walk into a library, there's shelves of history, there's shelves of, um, of law, there's shelves of poetry. Like, you wouldn't pull a book of poetry off and read it like you would a law book. You wouldn't pick a law book off the shelf and picture like you're going to read poetry, right? You have to look at what is going on with the specific books of the Bible and then read it like that. But I can tell you, like, most people have no idea. <laughs> like, they just it's just this religious book, and you're quoting weird stuff about goats and cooking goats, and, and women can't speak in church, and you're just reading these things. But that's one thing to remember, because it does impact, then, how you read these verses. It, there's genres and literary styles. So, and I've explained this, like, many, many times. Like, when you pull one thing off, you have to read it in a certain way. That's why it might be confusing or hearing in a certain way that sounds totally bizarre. But when you read it a different way, it wouldn't if you're understanding what shelf of the library it's coming off of. You can look at it, and I've used this illustration with many people. Like, it's like a newspaper. If you take a newspaper and say the word loaded is in the newspaper, 
The newspaper has a whole bunch of different sections in the newspaper. So depending on what section you're reading from, the word loaded may come across differently. You may think of it differently. So in the sports section, you might see the bases were loaded. In the real estate section, the model home is loaded. The local news section, he carried a loaded gun when he robbed the convenience store. The AP news might be he was using loaded dice at a table in Las Vegas. If you're pulling out the advertising section, they might say like, Doritos are loaded. And I have to say this out of a conviction that uh, with Doritos, I'm not advocating them because they each have 360 calories and 36 grams of fat in them, so avoid getting loaded from Doritos in that way. But what I just mean is like Bible verses alone can mean totally different things if you're not looking at it through the right lens. So like Galileo is a good example of this. He was in the 1500s, he was an astronomer, physicist, engineer, and philosopher. We probably have heard the story, right, how he, was, he came to the conclusion based on his own research and research from someone before him that the earth is not the center of the universe and the sun doesn't revolve around the earth, the earth uh, revolves around the sun, orbits around the sun. But to say that back then was then challenging what the church thought the Bible said. The church was reading scriptures such as in Genesis where it says, Genesis 19, the sun had risen over the land, or Genesis 28, the sun had set. Or other verses that'll say like in 1 Chronicles, like it cannot be moved, talking about the earth. So saying the indication from reading those verses more in a literal fashion was saying, well, the earth must stay still, therefore you're reading the sun sets and rise. That must be what revolves around the earth, not the other way around. When Galileo challenged that, he was arrested for that belief, even saying he was heresy, because you can see this was written from that, was saying that it's false and contrary to the holy and divine scriptures to believe that the earth revolves around the sun, not the, not the other way around, because they were incorrectly understanding the genre at the time. So genre matters. Another thing is that the Bible was not written to us, but for us. This is the, like, the, another important thing to remember. Dr. John Walton is a really respected Old Testament professor at Wheaton College, and he says this phrase often because of the importance of understanding this. We may have the scriptures, but they were not written to you know, Gilroy, California in 2019 dealing with some of the situation. Now that we can learn from what God wrote, Right? But we have to say, well, who is it originally written to so we can see what does apply for us today and what was specific to a people group in a certain time period. So it was written for us, but not all of it was written to us. The goal is to determine what the author intended and how the original author audience would have understood it. So let's take a look at, say, all these Leviticus verses, which are saying, like, so here's the joke. Look at you Christians today, all of these verses. You're not doing these. You eat shrimp, right? You're wearing polyester, uh, cotton and polyester blends. You're hypocritical people because you're not obeying what the, your own Bible says. But say, if you go back and you look at Leviticus and Exodus, you have to remember that God set specific laws to help his people be set apart in a certain place for a certain time. This was written to is the Israelites, after they were rescued by God, brought into, the going into the promised land, and God was laying out laws and rules to keep them very distinct and holy from the surrounding people groups who were worshiping dif different gods and goddesses and had worship practices that God wanted them to not be following and patterning themselves after, but be distinct and holy. 
So that's who this was written to because it was through this people that Jesus was going to be born through. It's very, very important. A lot was at stake for this people group. So when you're reading verses that apply to something, there were laws that were put in place that meant a lot that they would have understood then, but today may sound very strange, but it had application back to then in their world. You can even look at that with American laws. These are, there are some very strange sounding laws that were created in the United States at one time for a specific reason, but some of them have never been removed from the law books. You'll see things like in Maryland, it is still illegal to mistreat oysters. In um, Idaho, a man cannot give a woman more than 50 pounds of candy at one time. In Charlotte, women must have their bodies be covered at least by at least 16 yards of cloth at all times. What you'll have is that in Arizona, it is illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. In Kentucky, it is illegal to carry ice cream in your back pocket. Now, we look at that like, what a strange law. But here's like, say these two. In Arizona, I think it was 1924, there was a donkey that actually slept in a bathtub. A rancher had this bathtub that he'd keep outside and the donkey would actually sleep in the bathtub. The river flooded and it washed the bathtub and the donkey into this big mud pit. And they had to make all of this effort to get the thing out. And like, we never want to do that again. We have to make a law, no donkeys in a bathtub. So that's why that was written, right? To us, like, but back then, it was really important. We don't do that again. He can't do that anymore. They write a law. In Kentucky, it was horses were being stolen by leading them away with ice cream. And so they're like, you can't just do that in your back pocket, so you can't walk and then have the horse follow you, and then you'd be stealing the horse. So there was reasons that these laws were put into place that today sound absurd because we don't know what the original intent was. So when you see laws pop up like this, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk, and they say, it's nonsense in the Bible, and it can feel foolish, like, why is that in there? Again, junior higher, oh, that's, that, oh, I can't believe it, or college, it can't be true with this amazing nonsense in it. But you look into the reasons why that was originally written. The Canaanites were a people group around, that lived around Israel, so God was telling them that a Canaanite custom was to boil a kid goat in its mother's milk as a worshipful ritual that served more or less as a lucky fertility charm. By boiling a kid goat in its mother's milk was to appease their gods, to then give them a bountiful growth in their livestock. So what God was then saying to the Israelites was not to do this because it would then be imitating these other people groups and participating and calling out to other gods for their success rather than the one true God. So when he's talking about boiling a goat, a kid goat in its mother's milk, it wasn't just a random, bizarre thing. It would have had significant meaning for the Israelites at that time period based on what the Canaanites were doing. But to us in our modern time, we read that like, this is bizarre. That can't be really from God, this whole Bible. It's nonsense. It's just, we can't follow this or trust it. One more, and then, and then just another example. You'll see this, because this comes up so much. I've seen celebrities say this. Christians shouldn't eat shrimp, they're hypocritical. Like, and I'll, I'll hear them, like, I'm like, what? Like, people say it with such confidence. Like, look, you don't even know. You eat shrimp, you don't know, you, you hypocrites. It's in the Bible. Didn't you know that? You have to look. Let's look at, like, one example. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. So, number one, you have to go back and say, who is this written to? It wasn't written to today. It was written to the the Israelites, and I'm going to quote a, well, a respected pastor named Tim Keller who wrote this, before Jesus' time, 
God's people, as recounted in the Old Testament, had to offer sacrifices to atone for sin, and they had to follow a complex set of rules for ceremonial purity and cleanliness. This included in eating certain kinds of foods while abstaining from others, like shellfish, shrimp, and wearing certain forms of dress, garments worn with two kinds of material. That was the only way one could approach God in worship back then. Today, such rules are not followed by Christians because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So we have to say for this time period, that was valid for the Israelites, but for today, we don't see that in the New Testament. What then you do is you study the New Testament and the teachings to see what are the moral laws that we have to follow through today. Most of the moral laws in the Old Testament did actually cross over into the New, although most of the ceremonial and diet and, and legal laws of their land didn't cross over into today's time. But that's why you look into the New Testament to see which ones did, and these didn't. So that is why what's, such, what's so almost like madness, but it's happening, is that then one, when that TV show promoted this to millions and millions of people, they were not taking into consideration that it was for the Levitical law, not for today. So that was one big mistake. Second mistake is footballs are not made of pigskin. Right? It's like footballs were never made of pig skin. In Europe, they're made balls of inflated pig bladders. There's an inflated pig bladder. If you want to just memorize that and look at that weird thing, that is what a pig bladder was. They then take deer skin, wrap it around the pig bladder, pig bladder and that was how the original balls that were being used, they got the nickname pig skin. It carried through through time today, but today's footballs are either made from cow leather or they have an internal bladder and they're made of of rubber, right? So even the fact, like this is what I'm saying, even the fact that that major television show promoted this, one, not saying that it is only for the Levitic, I'm sorry, for the Israelites that the Levitical laws are in place, that's not meaningful for today. Of course Christians don't, can eat shrimp. But second, that it's, there's not even a pigskin, right? It, but it made it through all of the screenwriters for a major TV show, and people see it like, wow, the Bible is, we can't believe that thing, that's, that's nuts. And Christians are hypocritical, because they play football, right? Because they're not taking it down, and that's what's going on. That is why this is so important to pay attention to, because this is what's going on. The last thing is basically never read a Bible verse, and the band can come on up as I kind of close up here, is that Greg Kokel, who spoke here three weeks ago, uh, you know, from stand to reason, he says this phrase a lot, and he has a great article about it, and it's basically saying oops, that, that, uh, that, that you should never just read one Bible verse alone, because you get into trouble when you do. Star Wars was very smart, because what they did was they always said, like, look where you, you know, come into the story, see what's behind it, and then look for it. You always have to look at it in its context. Right? Say I can make a case, and I, I, I was once down in the mall at Santa Cruz, and people were giving up these little pamphlets saying, you all should be vegetarians, and they're quoting Genesis chapter 1. And you can read this, and it says, God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant for in the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit and seed in it, they'll be yours for food. And they were saying, you see, we only can eat uh, veg vegetables, I mean plants, we're not supposed to eat meat. That's what the scriptures say. And so I can read it like, boy, that is what the scriptures say. Right? That is what it says. But then you look at chapter 9, and then God changes it. So later on, you see everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, now I give you everything.
So that's why you have to always never just read a verse. You have to go back in the timeline and see where it was. But you can just read that first Genesis verse, and if you don't know better, like, wow, I'm supposed to be vegetarian, and believe that is true for all times. That is why we have to keep coming back. Let me close with the unicorn. Um, here you are, unicorns. I didn't know what to say. I'm like, I don't think they're in there, but I better check. There it is, unicorns in text, in graphics, online. It must be true. Right, right. And then you look into it. And what you'll find out is that that word unicorn was in the 1611 King James Version of the Bible. They, when they translated it the, from the Hebrew word that's up on the screen, they didn't know how to translate it into English, so they used the word unicorn in that version. Later, as they discovered more, they ended up translating the word into basically a wild ox, which is what you'll read in most of our translations today. But what these memes and these graphics do is they pull out the 1611 version, and they go back to there, and they're putting it out, then it's on the internet, it spreads around, most people aren't doing research to see if it's true or not, so it seems like an, a fact to the average person, the Bible has unicorns in it. Christians shouldn't eat shrimp. God hates women. You know, it's just like all of these things that are out there that's just not true. And a couple just ending like words for Christians, like these stuff, it's all over the place, but what it means for us today, I mean, God doesn't judge us on our knowledge of the scriptures, it's said, and we don't, but more than ever today, we don't want to be like these tweets and memes that you see. To most Christians, the Bible is like a software license. Nobody actually reads it. They just scroll to the bottom and click, I agree. I don't think we can live in a world anymore where we can just do that. I mean, of course, you're saved by faith in Jesus alone, not by Bible knowledge. But if you're at all on mission and engaged, if you have kids and you're in this world, like we need to know what we believe because we're being asked, because unicorns are being sent there in the Bible, because of all of these Bible verses that are being pulled up. You see, I think the church for many years, we've been doing this, like we focus, because it's beautiful, like Psalm 4610, and you see these coffee mugs and all the Christian stores and to retreat themes, like be still and know that I am God. Like that's so nice, and we focus mainly on those things. What we haven't been doing is looking at verses like this. The Lord is angry. He'll be totally destroyed them. Their dead bodies will stink. Their mountains will be soaked with their blood. Isaiah 34, right? You don't see this coffee mug in the Christian bookstore. And I'd like to suggest maybe in your next women's retreat as a church, this becomes your theme verse, and you give these cookie, these... Uh, coffee mugs out, you know. But I'm just saying is why we have been focusing on just these kind of verses, and then what's happening now is these kind of verses are being pulled out, and because we've only been focusing a lot on these, that all of a sudden, like, these are in there? And if you're a mature Christian, you might say, yeah, I can figure that, but if you're young, you don't know, you're not a Christian, you see, many younger generation especially, they don't know the Bible. We're at a point of biblical illiteracy like never before in American history. Not just outside of the church, but Christians as well. Um, then they're caught off guard when you hear these verses. Already not knowing the Bible much, then hearing these, like that's in there? See, what's then going on is that this is happening right at the normal time of questioning faith in your faith development years. 
And if you ever see this, there's this really fascinating stages of faith uh, development that we all go through. And you'll see like stage three is your teenage years. And it's when you, you're basically, you see things a little more black and white. Your authority figures shape what you believe, your parents and your youth pastor. What they say must be true. You don't question it too much. Um, then you go to, to young adulthood, and this is when it says you start seeing outside the box and that there's other boxes and ways of believing things, and you start critically examining your beliefs. That's normal, and it's good. But right at that very time, if all of a sudden the primary other sources are saying these other things about the Bible, like I read to you earlier and about that college student, it totally is destroying their confidence in scripture, which means then they will not have confidence in the gospel, and then they may not believe in Jesus. It's very serious, it's not just Bible trivia. And because this change is the access to information of all kinds without screening is what's going on. The credibility of a really well done website is, is just, that must be true. It seems to make sense, it's graphically done well, like that's in the Bible. So the options for Christians are we either get challenged and we either ignore them, you become an atheist agnostic, you become progressive and maybe it's not all from God, or you turn to resources and say, I need to know. And the resources for most young people are going to be you. Parents, friends, they're going to turn to you for questions. Now you may not know all the answers and you don't have to, but you can say, you know what? Let's look into the scriptures. There'll be reasons to answer that. Or for youth leaders and young adults, it's like, let's take a look into the scriptures, not just say, heaven and heaven will find out. Like, we can't say that anymore. We have to go to the next level of depth and study together. And so what I want to just say, if you're a Christian, like, you have a responsibility to be, the, to be in the scriptures personally and be there when others have questions that come. Again, like, that's what I love about this church. School of theology, how to study the Bible. Like, Isaac and the other staff teaching here, it's like, yay. Like, I don't have to, I'm preaching to the choir, you know, in that sense. As it, but most churches aren't like this church. Most churches just will do Bible verses and talk about all kinds of other stuff that aren't really going into these things and ignore them. But we can't anymore. And if you're someone in this room that has questions and doubts, or maybe you're not a Christian, like, I would, if I, if I was not a Christian, I'm seeing all this, I'd be like, I'm not, I don't want to become one of those. That Bible's nuts. And I go to my Christian friends, like, I don't know. Right? All right, nobody knows, then I'm really, I'm going to listen to John Stewart more than I will the, the, what I'm seeing in the script. Like, so the good news, though, is that it's, there's answers. And the bad news, though, is that this is a new thing that's just popping up everywhere. So... South Valley Community Church, I just commend you because you're a church that's an example of a church that is refusing to allow this to continue without learning how to respond. So it's an honor to be with you in this apologetic series. I'm so thankful for you in Gilroy in the Bay Area. And that's, uh, I hope this was helpful and a reminder of pay attention to the scriptures. And they are God's actual words through the Holy Spirit for us today.